you are listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. I'm Amber, and tonight I'm joined by Stephanie. How are you doing today, Stephanie? I'm doing okay. Just, you know, Tuesday night, getting through the work week. Living your best life up there? Trying to, in Ohio. <laughs> there we go. With the bipolar weather. Ah, uh, I hate it. It's finally getting more, like, consistently warm down here. Georgia likes to flip-flop, so... You, you might be in the 30s one day, the 70s the next day, but I think we might be seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So last week, speaking of warm weather, last week was my school's spring break in Georgia. And since our Disney annual passes were blacked out, my family headed down I-4 to visit SeaWorld. So I thought I would tell our listeners all about it because it is one of the destinations that Main Street and More offers. It's part of the and more of Main Street and More. So like Disney, SeaWorld has several parks under their brand, including SeaWorld, Aquatica, their water park, Bush Gardens, located in the Tampa area, and Discovery Cove, an all-inclusive and highly interactive park where you can do things like swim with tropical fish and dolphins. Now, my family did not do Dolphin Cove this year because guests have to be six years old to swim with the dolphins. So we're waiting for my youngest to get there. But I do have a lot of thoughts and feelings to share. So buckle up because I know many of our listeners will be interested to see how the SeaWorld parks stack up against Disney. So that's what I'll be focusing on. And Stephanie, just interrupt me at any time with questions. Oh, I'm going to have some questions. <laughs> and a couple of apologies right off the bat. First of all, I apologize for my voice being maybe a little hoarse. I'm coming off of uh, some allergies. You know, that's always fun in Georgia. The pollen counts in the millions. And also, apologies. I'm going to be reading some of this. I typed it out Um in advance because I didn't want to forget anything. So if it sounds like I'm reading, it's because I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna start by comparing Disney's and SeaWorld's resorts. So as most of our listeners probably know, when you stay at a Disney resort, you are fully immersed in Disney magic. And to contrast that, SeaWorld has a family of hotels to choose from but they're not all on SeaWorld property. So ours was about two miles away or about a five minute drive. Some of their resorts are walkable to the parks, but ours was not. Our hotel was a Marriott. So it felt very much like a standard hotel, not exactly a resort. The nice thing about it though, was the price and the ability to spread out. We had a two bedroom suite, so the kids were able to sleep in the room with two queens and my husband and I were in the other bedroom. It also had two full bathrooms and just for kicks, I did a quick price comparison with Disney. The least expensive two bedroom villa on property was at Disney at Saratoga Springs for five nights, the same number of nights we were at SeaWorld would be $3,605. And to contrast that, our resort was $1,194. All right, I have a question for you at this point. Um, 
is there transportation to the different attractions? So could you get, um, can you get a shuttle to SeaWorld itself? And how do they handle going all the way up to Tampa for Bush Gardens? There are shuttles and there is a shuttle that can take you to Tampa for Bush Gardens. Um, but kind of like the Disney Spring shuttles, they, they're not like the Disney buses that run continuously. It's probably a situation where you might get a shuttle every 30 minutes. And so just for convenience, we had our car and so we drove everywhere, but they do have shuttles. Um, I don't think there's an airport shuttle though. So you would have to Uber or what have you from the airport if you're flying in. And does it cost anything to use the shuttles if you're staying at one of their partner properties? No, it does not. It's included. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. So I'm going to give kind of a point to um, either Disney or SeaWorld for each category. So as far as resorts, I'm giving the point to Disney for theming and the in the bubble feeling, but the point goes to SeaWorld for the price for the space that you get. All right, so moving on to the next category is going to be rides. So as you guys know, Disney does not have the most thrill rides. I would say there's maybe one big thrill ride per park. Um, as we know, some of us send our clients with older kids down the street to Universal when they're ready to go on all the thrill rides. So to contrast Disney, SeaWorld has three big thrill rides with a fourth one opening this summer. And side note, I convinced my 10 year old to conquer his fear of upside down rides by paying him to ride him. <laughs> so follow me for more parenting advice. <laughs> I was kind of mean. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that we even told my son that uh, rock and roller coaster was going to go upside down. We just let it happen and talked about it afterward. <laughs> and with rock and roller coaster, you don't even know, like it's so dark he might not even realize he went upside down. Now, okay, follow me for some different parenting advice. I'm, I'm on the other end of the spectrum from Amber. There we go. Now at Bush Gardens, um, Bush Gardens also has a lot of the bigger coasters. And we also paid about $300 for the four of us to take a semi-private safari tour that included feeding giraffes. Um, I honestly would not suggest this tour for its cost. It had much less to see than Disney's Safari at Animal Kingdom, which is not an extra fee. It's included in your park ticket. The only redeeming thing about Bush's Safari was the giraffe feeding experience, which was fun for the kids. And we got some great pictures from it. Maybe I can post some on our social pages. But our tour guide said that they allow the giraffes to decide when they want to visit the safari trucks for a nibble, which I totally understand and agree with. But I have to say, I would be very bummed if I paid that amount and didn't get one exciting thing on the tour. If they just decided they weren't hungry, they didn't want to eat that day. So if you have older kids, I think they would appreciate the thrill rides at SeaWorld and Bush Gardens maybe more than Disney's. Additionally, my six-year-old loved the Sesame Street areas of SeaWorld and Bush Gardens. So despite SeaWorld's parks having more thrill rides, 
I'm still going to give the point to Disney for this category for the ride theming and the IP incorporation, as well as the sheer number of rides in each park. SeaWorld has more of the thrills for sure, but overall, if we're talking about the number of rides, Disney's got it. Okay, so I have another question. I think I'm just going to do a question after each category. Um, <laughs> so are there actually rides at SeaWorld? Because I haven't been to SeaWorld since I lived in Texas in 1992. Yes. Um, and I don't really remember it. I was six years old, five years old. Um, so are there rides both at SeaWorld and Busch Gardens? Yes. So SeaWorld has of course the animals, the shows and all of that, but they also have rides. They have three big roller coasters, I would say bigger than anywhere on Disney property that I can think of, like bigger than Everest, bigger than rock and roller coaster. They're just big, tall, massive roller coasters. Some that go upside down, some that don't, but yeah, for sure. They have rides. They also have some water rides. Um, there's one called Infinity Falls, which is similar to um, Cali River Rapids at Animal Kingdom. It's got the circular ride vehicle. Um, there's another boat ride that's maybe similar to a Splash Mountain, kind of like a, a flume style ride. So yeah, there are definitely rides in SeaWorld. Not as many, but they are bigger and they're there. So I would say maybe at SeaWorld, um, maybe seven or eight rides, including the four coasters. I thought I'm totally, I'm, I could be misremembering because I didn't officially take a count, but that's going by memory. Okay. Can you hit all of the rides in one day at each park? You can. Um, we noticed that the crowds were really good for until about maybe 11 o'clock. So you kind of have to strategize. We kind of being the type of Disney people that we are, we're kind of rope drop people anyway. So we would get to SeaWorld about 30 minutes before they officially opened. And we noticed that they were letting people in before the official opening time. So you could get in the park before it was open and kind of go towards the rides that you wanted to do. So we hit the one ride called um, the Manta that way. Um, it was like a 20 minute wait when we got there and the rest of the day it was over an hour. So that would be my suggestion. If you want to do the big rides, do them first instead of doing the shows first because the shows have, those stadiums are huge. They can hold a few thousand people you're probably not going to have a problem finding a seat as long as you're there. You're not trying to walk in right when it's starting. But um, so that's why I would do the rides first when it's not so crowded and then do the shows in the afternoon. Okay. Yep, yep. All right, so the next category, speaking of shows, the next category is shows. So we all know from SeaWorld's advertising that they have spectacular shows that feature their whales and dolphins. They also have a super cute show that featured some of their trained sea lions. Um, and while watching the whale show, your unemotional robot girl here might've shed a tear or two at the <laughs> sheer beauty of the animals. 
not the Slytherin. I know. Um, unfortunately, I missed the dolphin show because I got, like I said, major allergies and spent most of the last day in bed with a bad headache. So, oh no, womp womp. I missed the dolphins. Uh. Um, so for this category, I'm going to call it a draw between Disney and SeaWorld. Disney shows are also spectacular. My personal favorites are Happily Ever After and Festival Festival of the Lion King. And I do feel like SeaWorld's shows were on par with those. I, um, uh, and I don't, I don't want to delve too much or create any arguments or anything. Um, I like that Disney shows don't involve li live animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I, I have a dog and um, he loves to be, rewarded and treated and all of that and I know that sea lions and seals and dolphins and whales are not dogs but I don't know do, do they really want to be performing all day and but I also mm -hmm. I also personally take umbrage with working dogs um so it's not just SeaWorld for me it's also some of the police departments and sections of the military, which again, please don't send in hate mail. Mm -hmm. Dogs can't tell us necessarily, I'm done working. I don't want to be doing this. Neither can any animals. So I do like with the Festival of the Lion King that it's all cast members dressed up. Well, I think they kind of can tell us that they're kind of over it. What I did ask about this exact thing to one of their um I don't know what they call their cast members <laughs> their employees <laughs> um and one thing that she said was they only use positive reinforcement when they're training their animals so they don't use any type of punishments when the animals are not doing what they want them to they are only rewarded when they do do what they want them to do and if they're not feeling it that day well now they, they she didn't tell me this but from the giraffe experience when they told us that if sometimes if the giraffes don't want to come eat, they don't come eat. So they're not going to force them to come interact with people. It is on their terms. Um, so that's one feeling that I got from SeaWorld Ambush Gardens that they kind of let the animals um, decide for themselves and have things to be on their terms. And one of the ways they do that is by offering positive, rein only using positive reinforcement, neg never negative reinforcement. Um, another thing that was mentioned was some of their animals are rescue animals that were injured in the ocean um, and that would not survive if they were left in the ocean. Um, and some, other, some of their others, she mentioned like the coral, which obviously isn't an animal, um, but the way they get it is some people, like, they don't take it from the ocean themselves, they get it from the government. So if a diver or some person tries to um, take coral illegally from an area and the government confiscates it, the government gives it to SeaWorld and it goes in their habitats. They don't take it themselves. Oh, that's interesting. I had never known that. Yeah. So yeah, that was my takeaway from the shows. Very cool. All right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was dining. Now, 
I think SeaWorld had one sit-down restaurant that Disney would consider table service. It was called Seafire Grill. And I think it wants to be like Epcot's Coral Reef when it grows up. <laughs> so like Coral Reef, you dine in front of a giant aquarium. And no, I did not bat an eye dining on the salmon. It was delicious. <laughs> Um, the nice thing about SeaWorld's dining is that reservations are not required. We put our name on the list at 1115 and we were seated around 1145. On the other hand, SeaWorld's counter restaurants had lines that stretched out the doors and I would not want to wait in one of those. Did they have um, any mobile order options? I don't think so. Ugh. And that's what they needed. Yeah, if, that would have helped a lot if they had. And now, so they have the one table service restaurant. Um, are they kind of keeping crowd levels down with like a reservation system? There is a reservation system. We made reservations. I don't know that they were checked. Okay. Um, and from, I think my husband was talking to our tour guide at one point and she was like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think this is 30 or 35%. <laughs> So um, Disney is, I would say, doing a much better job controlling the number of people that are in their parks. Um, so for the dining category, because of that, I'm going to give the point to Disney. Disney has much more options and they're doing a better job of crowd control by requiring mobile ordering, which SeaWorld was not. Okay. All right, next up, I wanted to talk about their water parks. So any true Disney fan knows that Disney has two water parks, Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. I have only been to Typhoon Lagoon. What about you, Stephanie? I have been to that one as well. Okay. But just a shameless plug for a news article real fast, Blizzard Beach is now open. Um, I think it's interesting that they opened Blizzard Beach first because I was always under the impression that Typhoon Lagoon was more popular, but mm -hmm. either way, Blizzard Beach is now open. Yeah, hey, we have one, that's, that's progress. So we spent about a day and a half at Aquatica, which is SeaWorld's water park. Aquatica has been named Orlando's best water park for the past two years by the Orlando Sentinel and their water slide Ray Rush was named the best water ride in Orlando by Amusement Today. Now, I will say that social distancing, kind of like our conversation just a minute ago, was not a thing at Aquatica. Let's just say I was glad to have both of my vaccine doses before we went. Yikes. Yeah. The most chaotic ride for me was Aurora's Rapids, which is a not so lazy, lazy river. My kids loved it. It's, it's kind of like a lazy river, but it, it goes very fast. They have, they have a normal lazy river and then they have the rapids. Um, my kids loved it, but I was more focused on not losing them among a few thousand of my new closest, and I do mean closest in the most literal of ways, friends, than <laughs> enjoying it myself. We did almost every ride there and I was proud of my kiddos for braving the larger slides and I didn't even have to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So one thing we did at Aquatica that I would highly recommend is renting a private cabana. There are different cabana sizes, features, and pricing, which can all be seen on their website. The pricing changes from season to season, but I think it ranged from about $70 per day to close to $300 for the larger ones. We had a premium cabana that included a locker, which would have cost you $20 if you used one of their general population lockers. So that's kind of $20 that you get back because you're not having to rent a normal locker. Um, you have some higher quality lounge chairs in the cabana. You get a mini fridge stocked with bottled water and food and beverage service. So there is a QR code that you can scan to pull up the menu on your phone and place your order. So you do not have to go stand in that 50 foot line stretching out of the restaurants, which half of the restaurants were open and half were not. Maybe that's why they were all crowded. But either way, to me, that made the cabana worth it. The food service alone was enough to make it worth it to me because like SeaWorld, the food lines were stretching out of the doors and into the walkways. Mm. Yeah. So while pleading ignorance for not visiting one of Disney's water parks post pandemic, I don't know what it's like. I'm giving the point to Aquatica. However, if it weren't for the cabana, I would probably feel differently. Um, it's worth noting that Typhoon Lagoon has not yet reopened as of this recording, but Blizzard Beach has. And Blizzard Beach also has, they call them polar patios that you can rent that seem comparable to Aquatica's cabanas. Now, I have not had a chance to get over to Volcano Bay, but it's interesting to me that Aquatica is considered the best um, water park and I wonder if perhaps they were not doing that. Um, I don't even know how they do this, but I have a feeling they didn't do any comparisons or best of or whatever in 2020. Mm -hmm. And since Volcano Bay opened, I believe in 2019, I, I'd be curious to see if Aquatica stays on top. Yeah, me too. I know the only thing that I have to go on is Tim Tracker. Um, and I know he was saying that they now prefer Volcano Bay to Aquatica. Okay, that's good to know. Um, yeah, if it was maybe half as crowded as it was, it would have been amazing. But just the number of people the long lines. Um, there are a couple of the slides at Aquatica have the conveyor belt system so you don't have to carry the raft up the stairs to the top of the slide. Right. Um, but most of them you do have to carry your raft and I think at Volcano Bay they have the conveyor belts at most of them which is very nice and also Volcano Bay at Universal has the Tapu Tapu system where you can kind of like a virtual queue, tap your band and then wait for it to tell you when to come ride. And so you're not having to wait in a huge line. I guess I'm just gonna have to go to all the water parks and do a park by park comparison. Can we find that in the pod mother budget? 
<laughs> Only in August. I'll, I'll make the sacrifice and check them all out. All right, so the next category I wanted to talk about was price. I already mentioned the resort pricing um, back when we talked about the resorts, but I also wanted to mention the total ticket price here, including park tickets. So when you stay at a SeaWorld hotel, you get length of stay tickets to the parks. So you could drop in on your arrival and departure days if you want. It's not like Disney where you're only, you might be there for five days, but only buy three days worth of tickets because you're, you know, wanting to make your total trip as economical as possible. Um, so our trip to SeaWorld, including the two bedroom seat, suite, the length of stay admission to SeaWorld, a private guided tour at SeaWorld where we got to interact with the animals, length of stay admission to Aquatica, and length of stay admission to Bush Gardens was 1,793. Now that does not include the safari at Bush Gardens or the cabana at Aquatica. Now to contrast, a trip of the same number of days in a two bedroom villa with the same number of park tickets, Disney would be, drum roll please, <laughs> 6,000, $4,000. $15. And that is with the current 30% off room promo. So that hurts be, a little bit. Yeah, it would be even more without it. That's, you know, a quarter, I'm not doing the quick math, but about a quarter of the price as Disney. So obviously for the price category, SeaWorld wins by a landslide. And the last category I wanted to mention was that in the bubble feeling. So I also mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I did wanna talk about the distance between the parks. Um, while Aquatica and SeaWorld are basically next door to each other, Busch Gardens is about 45 minutes away in Tampa, which is not very convenient to families who fly in and don't rent cars. And like I said earlier, when you leave SeaWorld and drive to your resort, you might pass a CVS, a Wendy's, and a Burger King, which can be convenient, but they are a constant reminder that you're still in the real world. On the other hand, when you're on Disney property, you can get from anywhere to anywhere on their buses, monorail, and Skyliner, and there's nary a target in sight. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably obvious, but the point for being in the vacation bubble goes to Disney. So to wrap all those points up, if you weren't keeping up with my little scorecard, SeaWorld ended up with four points and Disney ended with five. So if you're considering a SeaWorld vacation, I personally would recommend it, especially if you have been there and done that with Disney and wanna try something new. It's especially good for um, families with older kids who are ready for some thrill rides and kids and adults of all ages who want to see maybe some sea animals up close and personal. However, Uncle Walt knows that I'll always come back to him and he has my heart forever. <laughs> I, you know, the, the whole, the bubble thing, that's, that's exactly the reason that I like going to Disney is to just 
get away from everything and not have to do anything. Even when we had a vehicle there last November, we still used transportation because, you know, I don't know when I'm in the parks if I'm going to want a margarita or a drink or just going to be too tired after walking around to have to battle with traffic. So I do that, that in the bubble feeling cannot be beat. Yeah, that might, that alone may be worth, you know, several tally marks in that, that side of the pro con chart. So um, last week's, oh, before we do trivia, Stephanie, you had a couple of news items that you wanted to talk to us about. I did. Um, so I don't know if um, if anyone saw that Disney had released a, a video on YouTube today, and I assume that it's on the Disney Parks blog and everything, but they have this new initiative where they are um, more inclusive. They, they are looking at inclusion carefully and trying to make sure that Disney can be everything to everyone. And so with that, um, some of the changes will be that they are going to have more inclusive costumes that they sell. So they, um, and I noticed this last year, but they have, um, they have wheelchair costumes um, mm -hmm. and they have, um, you know, sizing. They've been making sure that they can encompass all sizes with their costumes. One of the biggest ones, I think that's going to have a lot of implications um, in the parks, is the changes to the dress code for cast members. So there will no longer be gender-specific hair, makeup, jewelry, and nail styles, um, regardless of what gender a cast member is. There are still going to be rules for the hairstyle, but there will no longer be that the men have to have shorter hair or um, that, you know, hair has to be a certain, if it's a certain length, it has to be kept in a ponytail or whatever. So they're mm -hmm. changing some of that. Uh, when cast members are choosing the designed costumes for their attraction, they will no longer have to select gender specific clothing. Um, and I was reading one article that basically uh, compared it to in Galaxy's Edge, the cast members basically got to mix and match their costuming. Now, everybody has been kind of up in arms. The costumes are still going to be themed. You are still going to have the um, kind of mosaic patterns for the folks who do the um, Aladdin's magic carpet. You'll still have the skippers in their costumes for Jungle Cruise. The Haunted Mansion folks are still going to be wearing the uh, purple and green pinstripes. However, the women do not have to wear skirts and dresses if they choose not to. I desperately hope that somebody is redesigning those pleated pants because those are not, those are just not flattering on anybody. Um, there has been a lot of speculation that tattoos can now be visible and that hair color will no longer be mandated to be a natural color, but these have not been confirmed and I, I, I don't see this happening. I think that um, the gender inclusion, I think is a big enough step for right now and I think especially for tattoos, it would have to be a case by case kind of a thing because if the tattoo 
doesn't fit with the theming of the costume in the ride, it really should not be visible. Um, mm -hmm. So I've not seen any actual confirmation of that. I think it's just speculation and I, I don't think that's actually going to uh, pan out. But I'm excited for the changes, but I do hope that it comes with changes to not just, you know, the, the, the women can choose to wear pants now if they want to, but can we like change, get rid of the pleats? We got to get rid of those front pleats. They yeah. don't look good. Disney, if you're listening, get rid of the pleats, please. Um, so another uh, news piece, the hours for Walt Disney World have been extended for the month of April. And I assume that it, they're going to stay extended and possibly even extend farther for the summer. So yeah. previously in March, Magic Kingdom was operation, operating from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. It will now be 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. So we're getting four extra hours there. We're getting close to fireworks times. Too. I know. I was thinking about that and wondering if, if those are coming up soon. Um, mm, baby steps. Animal Kingdom was nine to five. You can get a full work day at Animal Kingdom. But <laughs> now it's eight to eight. So again, another four hours. Mm -hmm. Hollywood Studios was 10 to seven and it's now nine to eight. So just two extra hours there. Um, mm -hmm. That park really needs more hours though. Um, it does, especially to accommodate people who are trying to get on rise. Yes, exactly. And then Epcot was 11 to seven and it will now be 11 to 11. And nice. that is just in time for the Flower and Garden Festival. Um, now I did and get not those people Sorry, I was going to say, give those people who are staying at those Epcot resorts, Yacht Beach and Boardwalk, um, a reason to get hoppers um, to go over, uh, maybe do a cup, do a lap around the countries at the end of the day after you leave your park. If you want to go grab a couple drinks at Epcot, I love recommending people to stay there if they have hoppers and want to enjoy that scene at Epcot. So it's great that they're extending those hours and you'll actually have time to enjoy that and do that. Yeah, I think I think it's such a smart move to do that right before the um, right before the festival season kind of kicks in because I haven't quite looked at dates, but I'm fairly certain that it basically just goes from flower and garden almost directly into food and wine. <laughs> um, so it's it's a perfect time to be extending those hours. Love so, it. Yeah, those were the two pieces that I uh, had for today. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. All right, let's move on to our trivia. Last week's trivia question was, how much was a ticket to Disney World on opening day? And the answer was a whopping $3.50. Now it does um, kind of, it's kind of important to note there that on opening day, they had kind of a ticket book, right? And you had, you could pay for the tickets per ride. It's not like now where you can go in and ride as many things, as many times as you want. You had a ticket book. So you could, you had a certain number of rides that you could get on with that $3.50. And Stephanie, didn't you say someone calculated that for inflation or did you calculate that for inflation in today's? So the calculated um, 
I will bring up the exact number, but when accounting for inflation, I think the number was that the admission ticket today would be $22. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Um, but that does not include, so, uh, you know, when, when we're looking at $109 for single day tickets, that just makes me want to vomit <laughs> and go crawl into a hole somewhere and cry. But that doesn't account for being able to ride the rides. That's $22 just to get into the door. Disneyland has shown that people are willing to pay quite a bit of money just to get in the door and not be able to ride rides. Really um, $22 is a little more palatable though. Um, so it, it really does show how things have changed. Additionally though, the, the footprint of Disney has dramatically changed since 1971. You know, that mm -hmm. ticket was for Magic Kingdom only. I believe there were 17 attractions that first year. And now there's over like 40 things that you can do. Dining was minimal. So I have, I have feelings about um, ticket pricings right now. Uh, but I do think $22 would not be enough to cover the cost, just operating costs right. when factoring in inflation. But just, yeah, that was just an interesting little tidbit. Yeah. So congrats to listeners Greg and Marie who got that answer correct on our Facebook page. Thanks for participating, guys. So this week's trivia question is, where can you see a model of Walt's vision for the experimental prototype community of tomorrow or Epcot? And kind of, this might be a little hint for everyone. This question is in honor of our guest who is coming next week, um, whose voice you may have heard in the parks on a couple of different attractions. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for it. Yay. All right, Steph, did you have anything else before we close up? I do not. All right. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the Fairy Pod Mothers. We're happy to be your one-stop shop for talking tips for Disney, Universal, and beyond. Please join us on Facebook and Instagram to keep the conversation going. Amber, Rachel, and Stephanie, we miss you, Rachel, are travel professionals with Main Street and More Travel, a no-fee Disney earmarked agency. Please reach out to us on Facebook for a free quote, and please rate, review, and tell your friends. We'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye-bye.